Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday night edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. It's great to be with you. Obviously, a little bit later the, than usual, most of the time, this is going to be a, a morning posted podcast, but I knew, at least I had a pretty good inkling, as did most people, that Ole Miss was going to get a really significant basketball commitment today, and so I waited for it, and I waited for it, and I waited for it, and then I had to go to the office to do the radio show, and then it happened. So, uh, I was going to record this after he committed, didn't have time, uh, obviously, because of the whole, you know, live radio thing, uh, came back doing it tonight to talk about Ole Miss's addition on the basketball program, also their subtraction in the basketball program. Pretty surprising news came down, uh, I guess it was yesterday, with Blake Henson entering the transfer portal, and then Mike Bianco, Mike Bianco gets a contract extension, which is absolutely deserved. But first, I do want to remind you that the show is brought to you by LB's Meat Market in Oxford, just off of University Avenue across from Kroger. Go buy and see Greg. Get a plate lunch during your weekday or get your meat ready for putting it on the grill this weekend. I know it's going to be a hot one, but it is Father's Day coming up, if you can believe that. My first one. Uh, really looking forward to that. But uh, good chance. I'm looking at right now forecasting the, the high 80s, low 90s for that Father's Day Sunday. Uh, so go get your meat. Go buy and see Greg. Uh, check out LB's and uh, right off of University Avenue across from Kroger. And uh, really glad to have Greg and LB's a part of the show. So let's get started. Uh, the, the big news of the day, Deshaun Ruffin committed to Ole Miss. And this is a big deal, not just in the micro. Because in the micro, of course, it, it is a big deal, right? I mean, they get a top 50 player. Devontae Shuler is entering his last season. They're going to need a point guard. Uh, he's a high-level top 50 kid. Don't let his size fool you. He's explosive. He can finish at the rim. Very athletic. There's a reason he's a top 50 kid in spite of his height. And as you guys probably already know, uh, height has not been an issue for uh, Ole Miss players uh, in the past. And he is that kind of explosive and athletic. And uh, his ability to finish at the rim is, is very, very good for a guy his size. So that's why he's a top 50 player. So in the micro, it's a really good pickup because you need players like him especially with Schuler uh, finishing his career this season. But in the macro, if you think back to Kermit Davis's hiring, uh, there it was obvious that he was a good basketball coach. I mean, he had beaten Ole Miss before. He had taken Middle Tennessee to a couple NCAA tournaments, had a big upset in one of those. You knew that he was a quality basketball coach. I mean, that was not even... Uh, remotely in question, his ability to actually coach the game. But a big question uh, going into his tenure was, is he going to be able to acquire the talent that is necessary to compete with this new-look SEC? I mean, most every school in the league has upgraded at coach. They've elevated their recruiting profile. Um, the SEC basketball is very, very different now. And th- that question, like I said, was... Can Kermit Davis acquire the talent? Because he's never really been in a place before that can and has the resources that allow you to get those kind of players. And with what was going on around the SEC and how other schools in the league were recruiting, 
That was the question. Can he bring in that kind of talent? And not only has he done that two top 50 kids in consecutive classes, which I believe is the first time that the program's ever done that, um, which is a really big deal. He's done it in the, the graduate transfer market. There's a couple of guys uh, that he just picked up in Romello White and Domencio Vaughn that a lot of people were after. I mean, those were big-time recruiting battles, especially uh, Romello White from Arizona State. That was as, even though it's a graduate transfer, as important of a pickup as, as a high-profile recruit. He's got experience. He's going to be a double-double guy. He's efficient. And a lot of people wanted him. So that was a win in a recruiting battle. So he he's done it in the graduate transfer market. He's done it now in consecutive years, uh, getting a guy from IMG, and you know how exposed IMG is to the rest of the basketball world, a top 50 player there. And then he's done it here as well. This is an extremely important sign for Ole Miss basketball moving forward under Kermit Davis because you can't just get one, and it can't just be one time. But now in consecutive years, you've added that kind of talent. You've gotten that kind of talent in the transfer market, which is now how you're going to have to build basketball rosters. I don't know if you've noticed, but there is going to be, at some point, an NCAA working group or whatever you call the 12 dozen committees they have at the NCAA where they make rules and stuff, the... Penalty-free transfer thing is coming. It's not coming right now for this football season. So, for example, the uh, couple Ole Miss players, um, well, I guess the the tight end is a graduate transfer, the safety transfer from Georgia, um, you're going to have to fight for his eligibility. That's not something that's just going to be signed off on. But eventually they're going to get to that road. College basketball has already kind of become the, the transfer sport. I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, when over 700 college basketball players transferred from one school to another in one offseason. Uh, so that that is not a bad way to build a roster anymore. And it doesn't mean um, that a coach is a bad recruiter. In fact, that is part of now the recruiting profile of a program is, is transfer players. And, and Kermit Davis won that battle from the transfer side, and, and now he's winning it getting regular, uh, just standard recruits as well. So that kind of roster building, that kind of adaptability with accepting high-profile transfers and getting high-profile transfers, especially right now with the coronavirus and the lack of visits and the uncertainty around stuff, the ability to still go do that's a really big deal. But this shows you, because it's happened in consecutive years, it shows you that the answer to the question is yes. And that's a really big deal for Ole Miss basketball. Historically, as all of you know, it's a very, very hard job. Getting talent to Ole Miss is something that's been very difficult for a lot of good basketball coaches. It's a program in a state that doesn't really produce that many elite-level basketball players. It has had its share of them, and when there is those elite-level basketball players, they certainly aren't going to Ole Miss. Um, the, the shoe company sponsor is not steering players, Nike players. Zion Williamson was not going to go to Ole Miss. Nike steered him to Duke. And so they're not in the pecking order in the apparel deal. It's not in a a great basketball state. Uh, the fans seem to care or at least pay attention to baseball as much, if not more. It's definitely more. But uh, So there's a lot of things working against the program, but 
Kermit Davis has shown you now that the questions about him when he when he took the job about can he recruit to compete with others in the SEC, these two recruiting cycles have told you yes. And that is a really big deal when you consider coaching ability being a floor coach. He's one of the best in the league. So if this is a trend that continues under his tutelage at Ole Miss, if this is a trend that continues... NCAA tournament appearances, regular NCAA tournament appearances should be the standard moving forward. I mean, that's how important this is. That's how big of a deal this is. And on top of all of that, it's a kid from Mississippi. And I don't subscribe to the idea that you have to put a fence around your state, that you need to put a priority on Mississippi. I I don't buy into that. I don't think you have to do that. The only priority on Mississippi you should put are the players that are good enough to help you win. There are people, not many, but there are people that think that you should sign players because they're from your state. Even though you could probably get somebody that's more talented elsewhere, you really need to sign Mississippi kids. And there are people that think that. I don't buy into that at all. I think that's a way to, to keep yourself as a program down. The only player you should care about are the ones that will help you win at the highest level. No matter where they come from, build a roster that is filled with players that you think you can win with, not players that you signed because they're from somewhere. Obviously, this is not the case. This is a top 50 kid. So, Ole Miss in Mississippi has not had very good basketball recruiting success. Players are either going elsewhere or they've gone to Mississippi State. We did a little exercise on the radio show about when's the last time that you can remember a high-profile prospect like this out of high school picked Ole Miss to play basketball. It's been a long time. Been a really long time. So this is a big deal on the macro. Not just the micro. Because he's going to help that team win. He's a really good player. He's an explosive prospect, and and I'm going to make it a point to go watch him. I mean, he he plays down the road from where I live, so I'm going to go watch him and go see him play. Uh, Looked at his highlight tape earlier, and I mean, he's creative, especially for a guy his size, but man, he's athletic, and, and he can help them win. So again, in the micro, like I said earlier, it's a big deal because he's an important player, and the league's getting better, and it's coached better, so that's important. But in the macro, it answers a major question about Ole Miss basketball under Kermit Davis. It answers that question. Him paired with the graduate transfers, the transfers that they've taken in this year, and, and getting um, a prospect out of IMG uh, that will be available for Ole Miss this year. It answers that question. Now all he has to do is continue recruiting to this level Got to get a couple more of these guys moving forward with the way the less the rest of the league is recruiting and, and how they're going about it. Um, there will pl- probably be one fewer program that you have to worry about in the league o- over the next couple of years when the NCAA finally comes down on LSU. I think that's happening, by the way. What they did to Oklahoma State tells you that L- LSU's coming, in my opinion. So there's one fewer, but the rest of the league is still getting better. I mean, you still have Buzz Williams at Texas A&M, of all places. It is a league that is so very good. Guys that are bringing in talent, good coaches. I would argue that Kermit Davis is one of the better floor coaches in the league. 
And so now that he's shown you that he's bringing in the kind of talent that you need to win games, it's a recipe for for great success relative to Ole Miss's history, for sure. So it's a really big deal, this pickup, for all the reasons I just mentioned, and a really good day for Ole Miss basketball and Kermit Davis. But the uh, basketball gods giveth, and they also taketh away. News yesterday broke Blake Henson entered the transfer portal after his sophomore year. And uh, that news kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, You figured the roster was set, kind of figured that he would be starting, at least in in the early going uh, of this upcoming season. Uh, So I was a little bit surprised at the timing of the news. Not so much that it happened, if you remember, and we'll go over it in a second. Uh, Kermit Davis was not too pleased at times. Uh, with Blake Hinson a year ago. Uh, So him transferring is not so much of a surprise as when he decided to transfer. You know, June 16th or whatever day it actually was, him deciding to go at at this point is a little surprising to me. Uh, But either way, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, but uh, as with most things, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Uh, There's two ways to look at it. One, you, know, you can look at it and say it's a big loss. I mean, he was third in scoring on the team a year ago. He was giving you 10-5 and five a night or 10-4 and four a night. Um, he's a 6'7 wing uh, who, who's big and, and physical and can shoot the three. And those guys don't really grow on trees. Uh, there's not that many 6'7 wings out there that shoot the ball real well, and a lot of them find their way into the NBA. So he's got the body type that you want. Uh, he's got the, uh, the, the tools that you want. And he was giving you double-digit points a night on, on a team that struggled a lot offensively. Uh, but on the flip side, like I mentioned before, not so sure it's a huge loss when you consider at times the way, I don't know how to say this uh, without being mean, the way he went about his approach to the game. He and his coach a year ago butted heads uh, quite often. I mean, you could hear it through the television. If You guys probably remember uh, the amount of times he was yelling specifically at Blake to run the offense, and they just wouldn't do it. And then on top of that, uh, shot selection was um, frustrating at times. Really frustrating. I mean, he is a good shooter uh, when he catches the ball in rhythm and takes uh, smart shots, but that's just not something that he did a whole lot of last year. Uh, he he was trying to, to to be Steph Curry, and he does not have the shooting ability of Steph Curry. And, and that you heard it all the time from their coach, and you've heard it on this podcast as well before. He quite simply just didn't like the mental makeup of his team last year. And it seemed to me, and I'm reading between the lines here because Kermit Davis never straight up said, I hate Blake Henson, but reading between the lines, it did feel like a good source of that frustration came from a guy who has an upside that you know is real, that you know is there, but he only showed it in flashes instead of more consistency. He wasn't inconsistent because he wasn't the best pure shooter or anything like that. He was inconsistent because of of decisions that were made, and, and that's really frustrating for a coach that was trying to get that out of him and get him to play within the system, and at times he, he clearly did not. At times he took very poorly advised shots, and, and that's got to be frustrating for a coach. So they're going to miss that, that ability and again, six, seven wings just that shoot don't really grow on, on trees that much. But 
he didn't play within the system and he took poor shots and, and he wasn't efficient. And like I mentioned before, Kermit Davis has acquired now, has built a roster that is plenty deep and talented. So it is a loss, but it's certainly one uh, that I think that team can endure. I, I've asked people uh, why the transfer. I haven't really gotten a firm answer yet. I know that's um, – I got a text message asking about why would he leave, and I don't know for sure, and, and I'll keep digging, and I'll, I'll try to find out and uh, hopefully have some kind of clarity for you on, on Friday's podcast. But it, I think it comes down to that, what I mentioned. And, I mean, maybe there was there was a feeling inside of him that – saw that there was a roster now with a bunch of guys that are his size that that are as talented if not more talented than he is and he's now going to have to compete for his starting job or even minutes coming off the bench and a guy that's been a starter for two years just doesn't want to do that anymore and so he wanted to go find somewhere where he would uh, step in and play right away especially because he has a red shirt year that's what Occam's razor tells me that's the most logical conclusion I can come up with is a guy saw that a roster that's coming in, has people that play his position that are talented. He's going to have to compete for minutes and compete for a starting job, and he didn't want to do it. That's my hypothesis. Uh, I'll keep digging and try to find out for sure, but a little bit surprised by the timing. Not exactly surprised that he's leaving the program just because there were clearly times that um, that his coach did not like the way he went about running his system and, and the decisions that he made in game seems like a good kid though so uh hope he lands on his feet for for sure but uh so Ole Miss gets a player Ole Miss loses a player and now let's turn the page to Ole Miss baseball and, and what is uh, really unsurprising news uh Ole Miss giving Mike Bianco an extension all the way out two four years it's not really news or or surprising but it is good news and the correct news the right news for for Ole Miss so, they were 16-1, and one, top five team in the country. It felt like this team was, was different. It felt like they were going to be nationally competitive. It felt like it was a team that could, had the makeup anyway, to win a national championship even, at least uh, make a run to Omaha. The team felt different. The way they went about their di- uh, business felt different. And the season did get cut short. And I know a lot of people like like to make jokes about, well, uh, of course Ole Miss is going to finish the season top five and Mike Bianco is going to be coach of the year, a year where they couldn't blow it in a Super Regional. Um, and I understand where that's coming from. I really do. And how do you reward a coach for a season that, that didn't end? A coach that is notorious for having teams that buckle under – pressure in in key moments and don't win the big game with the exception of 2014 and a two-decade-long tenure. Um, How do you reward a coach for a season that you didn't get to see the end result? Because the end result lately has been really the only thing that mattered. I understand where that's coming from. I, I really do. And it makes sense. But this was the right decision. This was the absolute right decision. Especially because... If you think back to 2019, uh, if Ross Bjork remains at Ole Miss and they don't win that regional, he was getting fired. There was discussions around that department. It, it was going to happen. We, we talked about it on the radio show a little bit. It was going to happen. 
if Ross Bjork did not get the Texas A&M job, which is still mind-blowing, by the way, but he got it. Um, If Ross Bjork doesn't get that Texas A&M job and they don't win that regional, Mike Bianco was going to get fired. They probably would have done it amicably and found a way to get around him getting simply fired, and I don't know what they would have done. But I know that there would have been a coaching search if that didn't happen. Now, that did happen, though. And the reason that happened is, I don't know about you, and it's it's not exactly tangible. You can't like feel it and touch it and point to like a statistic that tells you that, hey, this is different now, but you can't tell me. You can't look at that 2019 team and the one that you saw for a handful of weekend series this past year and tell me there was not some form of inter-program culture stylistic change that led to them having success in 2019, making the SEC tournament championship again, losing to Vanderbilt because you had to have your center fielder come in and pitch, and winning your regional very comfortably, winning a game in Fayetteville and being one win away from Omaha with a couple of young pitchers on the mound. And and there was something that changed in that baseball program from a, is it confidence... I keep using the word swagger on the radio show. They they felt like they had a different swagger about them. Their attitude, their approach, it, it felt like it changed. And it, it's not a talent thing because Mike Bianco has always been able to acquire talent at Ole Miss. He's always had talented baseball teams. It's it's the way the talent responded. It's the way they played, the attitude in which they played. And you could definitely feel that, 100% feel that this past few weeks of a season. That team had an attitude about them. That team had what made Mississippi State so great the last few years because, I mean, they did it with multiple coaches and they did it with Dax stacked against them. But but Mississippi State baseball, give them credit. I know you guys hate Mississippi State baseball, but give them credit. I think part of the reason why they've won so much lately is because they have this, we're going to kick your ass, tell us where, tell us when, we're going to win this game no matter what the score is, no matter what inning it's in, no matter who they're playing, no matter what their record is. They've kind of had that swagger. And Jake Mangum, I know you guys hate him too, but he had that that aura, that swagger about him that I'm better than you and I'm going to beat you today. You may have knocked me down a few times this game, but right now I'm going to beat you. That's the attitude in which they played. And Ole Miss really lacked that kind of a confidence. And it, it spilled over even into the fans in the stands, especially on Black Monday. You could feel, I wasn't there in person, you could feel through your television the angst in the stadium. You knew. It's almost like everybody there knew that something bad was going to happen. And you could feel that they knew that. You could feel it. Something changed within that program. And they started playing differently. They started acting differently. That team at the end of 2019 was a confident baseball team. Uh, they were having fun. They were loose. They were cocky. This last this 2020 team, they were cocky. They were confident, man. They, they held their chest out. And they did that little thing that they do, the between-the-legs dunking thing that pissed off all the Arkansas fans. They, they did those kind of things, and it... I think that translated to winning on the field. I really do. And now it also helps that Gunnar Hoagland added a 
a couple of pitches and was locating his fastball much better, and that certainly helps, I know. And they did change their style, at least their approach at the plate for this year a little bit by having a high strikeout rate and also a high home run rate, kind of like Major League Baseball, but there was something different. They had that attitude. They had what you saw at Mississippi State, that I'm, we're coming to the field today and we're going to kick your ass. And you could feel it. You could see it. So I think Mike Bianco, and and a lot of you probably agree with this, and and Ole Miss did give him the extension, so they're going to see it through. This is the right call. I think you have to see this through. Because for a while, the narrative around Bianco has been, he's kind of hard-headed, he's always the same, his teams are always going to be good, they're going to win a bunch of regular season games, and they're going to fail in the postseason, but they're always going to put a good product on the field, and they play a little tight. That's what people like to say is they play a little tight and he just is who he is and he's never going to change. It looks like things have changed there with the way they approach things, with the way the, the players think about themselves and think about games they're playing. They, they were having fun, man. It was fun to watch. And baseball, to me, is boring as hell. And they were fun to watch. And Ole Miss needs to see this through. So the extension was the right call. I'm sure a lot of you agree with that. You need to see this through. Because if I'm right, and I think I am, there's been a shift. There's been an approach change. There's been a style change. And I think it's going to lead to more success moving forward in the postseason. Attitude is extremely important in a sport like baseball. That's why Mississippi State's been so successful. They have that attitude. I think Ole Miss is adopting that attitude now. Something happened there in the middle of the season in 2019, and they didn't waver in 2020. You've got to see that through. I'm looking forward to seeing that through. I hope you are as well, because this was the right decision. And next year's team should be a preseason top five team, and I wouldn't be surprised at all, even without Servideo and Keenan, that they don't really miss a beat because their pitching staff might be one of the best in the SEC. So something changed there, really did. And it was good to see Keith Carter uh, extend Mike Bianco back to the full four years so we can see that through. See if the longest tenured head coach in all of the SEC has really changed in year 18 and 19. We'll see. But uh, this absolutely, this absolutely was the right call. So a little bit shorter podcast today, and yeah, I know I am a little bit late, but I wanted to make sure that I could talk about the commitment uh, after it happened. So uh, really glad you are with me. The numbers have still uh, been very, very good in spite of the change and in, in having somebody that's doing this solo. I forgot how hard this was. I used to host a solo podcast before my son was born, and uh, it's tough. It's really tough. So I appreciate you guys giving it a shot. Glad that that you're still hanging on and you're still with me. And uh, I'll be back for uh, another show on Friday morning this time, I promise. It will be uh, a morning record. And uh, don't forget to stop by LB's and go see Greg. And until Friday, have a great rest of your week. And uh, again, thank you so much uh, for making the podcast a part of your day. And I'll talk to you again soon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.